you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. The wilderness has been a clarifying time for me and one that I am treasuring. This time spent with the Lord as he's drawing me to himself and teaching me more than ever about him and how he wants me to walk into the promised land of his word that he's always planned for me. I wonder if it's the same for you. I wonder what things God is teaching you in this wilderness time as you create the space and allow him to replace complexity with simplicity. Isn't that a beautiful thought? God's trying to do that for you right now. Complexity replaced by simplicity. Amen. And so I want to look today at the primary commands that Jesus gives us in order to engage and be enlivened in this simplicity. And even though we're in the wilderness, we can still experience it. Make no mistake. And so I want to look at the the two primary things, the great commandment and the great commission. Say that with me. The great commandment and the great commission. And we're going to spend a lot of time on the great commandment because that's first. And then we can ease our way in, partially in this message and partially in in a message to come about the Great Commission. And so would you turn to two places in your Bibles, please? Ephesians chapter 4 and Mark chapter 12. Ephesians 4, hold a finger in Ephesians 4, and then go to Mark chapter 12. We're in the series Supernatural Development, and this message is called Share in the Wilderness. Share in the Wilderness. So as we begin looking at Mark chapter 12, why don't we start in verse 30. It says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Father God, we ask you to help us today to do your word And as we do it, because we do it, show you the honor that you deserve. We're listening to you today. Help us to accomplish it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we continue in the scripture in verse 32. So the scribe said to Jesus, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength and... To love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Oh, can you imagine that? The Son of God, the Savior of the world saying, You are not far from the kingdom of God. The thing that I go about preaching all the time, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, you're not far from there. You have answered wisely. Come on, winning, right? And so this is this is what we're meant to be living in the fullness of, that we can any day, any time, just have that reality that the Lord would say, oh, you're not far from the kingdom. You're right on track. You're, you're pressing in to the heart of what I want to do through you. And may that be the truth for all of us today in Jesus' name. The promised land is won by diligently obeying the voice of God. Let me say that again. The promised land is won by diligently obeying the voice of God. Solid lives are built 
by constantly coming to Jesus, hearing what he's saying, and following through in obedience and doing them. So I wonder if there's anyone so bold today, right from your seat, right from where you are, to say, yeah, that's not easy. Anyone? Yeah, that's not necessarily easy. Now, no one said it was going to be easy, but God said you'll be blessed if you do it. In fact, listen to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. See, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink. Who knows that's true? See, what your responsibility is, drinking for yourself, so you're not parched, so you have an overflow. Anyone ever notice that your body works better when you're hydrated? I notice that if, if things start going wrong, I'm like, you know what? I've not been drinking enough water <laughs> or enough anything. And so I have to go get hydrated. And it's the same with the water of the Word of God. Your responsibility is to drink enough so you're healthy and to lead others to drink. You can't do the drinking for them. It's not like, come on, hook me up, Pastor. <laughs> hook me up to the, the IV of the Word, and that's going to be enough. No, no, no. The, a thirsty will be satisfied and will be filled. And so we got to come to God hungry and thirsty for what He is intending to do in us and through us. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But... Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Just because we're one week down the road from these, this last message doesn't mean that God has stopped wanting this for you. He still wants it for you. Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. I still want this for you as well. And so here I am coming to you again with the Word of God. I want you to be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And so I end, I ask you today, would you invite the Lord to speak directly to your hearts and show you the way to perfection, to completeness, to lacking nothing? I believe God is bringing you and me both through this wilderness to accomplish two things. Remember, simplicity replacing complexity. Amen. Number one is the great commandment, drawing us to himself so we learn how to love him. His way. <laughs> and number two, the Great Commission, making disciples, teaching them to obey Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8-12 through 12 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. That's an old take six song right there. Always carrying about the in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested, manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Now manifest means to display or show by one's acts, uh, to demonstrate. That's manifest. The life of Jesus manifesting in us looks like what he modeled. Daily, consistent, costly time with God the Father. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I die daily. I mean, what a reputation is that? What a confession is that? I die daily. See, I'm not my own. I bought at a price, right? I exchanged my life, the great exchange with Jesus. I traded in my old sinful life for his life, and now I do what he does and what he commands. 
I'm writing a song right now at the very, very beginning stages, but it's called Dead to Me. Anyone ever heard that phrase? Oh, they're dead to me. You're dead to me. I, this song is going to be called Dead to Me. It's like, I'm dead to me. My old self is dead to me. Pastor Zach and I are going to try to find some time to, to collaborate with this together, and I'm hoping to bring it forth to you as some kind of gift I can give you, but stay tuned for that. Anyway, but this concept of I die daily, I'm dead to me, I'm not my own, I'm bought at a price, I think that's the best declaration we can make. Would someone even be so bold as to say that with me? I'm dead to me. Come on, say it. I'm dead to me. The old life is gone. I'm living the new life in Jesus. You know, the old one who cared more about, I don't know, anything else besides God in his proper place? Dead. That guy's dead. Dead to being too busy to pray or too tired. Dead to being too busy to teach my family God's word. Oh, come on. Dead to being too busy to serve others in ministry. How about this? Dead to being too timid to share my faith, share my story, invite someone into the kingdom, into the promised land of God. Dead, dead, dead. When we, like Paul, die daily to ourselves, we take up our cross and we follow Jesus, we can declare verse 12. It says, so then death is working in us, but life in you. I love that verse. Then death is working in us, but life in you. Galatians 2.20, one of my old favorites, and I have this, of course, memorized in the New International Version, but I'm going to give it a shot. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me, and the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Did pretty okay? <laughs> Did pretty good there at Galatians 2.20. 2 Corinthians 4.13-15 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. We've been declaring how God will make a distinction between us and the world, between His people, His covenant-keeping people, and the world. And surely He's been doing it. I want to share a few testimonies again this week about what God is doing for us in the wilderness even, as I call us all up to a higher level of engagement with Him. As you take these in, let your own thanksgiving abound to the glory of God. On the phone, I was on the phone this past week catching up with people, and on one of those calls from our church family, there was a lady asking for prayer for her father, and these were her words. I just found out that my dad, who is actually back in another state, is going for an open heart surgery tomorrow at 8 a.m. Please pray. Okay, okay. I have my marching orders, right? Absolutely, I will pray. And so we prayed right then. And then I was up uh, late, <laughs> late at night, as I do, uh, 2 a.m. Here I'm praying again. And uh, however far that was, it was going to be a three-hour difference. Just, you know, giving a little extra boost right there in prayer, a little more prayer cover for her dad. And uh, I get the response back. Are you ready for this? This is testimony time. It says, thank you for your prayers and thoughts. The doctor doesn't have an explanation for this. Three days ago, I had a sonogram, echocardiogram, nuclear stress test, 
all of them showed a 100% blocked artery and more problems. The doctor planned on starting with an angioplasty, but also I was prepared for a bypass surgery. Well, here's the word now. All clear. No bad news. Praise God for working on his... Come on, healing is available in Jesus and we release it by the power of our prayer. See, that being close with one another and with the Lord, we tap into something supernatural and this is being supernaturally developed. Can you feel it? Do you understand it? These things are happening because God is good to us. How about this one? Look at what God did to protect even our church building. We're not even there and he's protecting our stuff. He's protecting our land, right? Mark reported the following. Here is a miracle protection of our church building. A car involved in an accident left the scene and parked in front of our church and burst into flames. I saw pictures of flames higher than the building. And yet, there are not any burn marks on our building. Hallelujah. I mean, we're not even there and God is protecting our stuff, our land, what he's given us. Let me tell you this. You cannot share what you do not have. You can't share truth or healing, or peace, or forgiveness, or grace, or generosity, if you don't have it. And you're far less likely to share what you don't have in abundance. Isn't that true? Come on, be honest with me. I know I'm not alone in this, you know, where you get a little tempted to be like, well, I better just hold this in reserve just a little bit. You know, I'm not sure I'm going to have enough for me. You know what? The Lord is showing us a new and living way today. But we have to acknowledge our frailties, don't we? And we're doing it together. So the great commandment must be reconciled in us first. Love God and love others. How Jesus loves us. And it's it's how he decides love is, right? I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Like that's that wasn't a psalm or anything. That just came. <laughs> this came out. But isn't it good when we ask the Lord, what does love look like to you? I want to do that. Not what the world has said love is because they... Pfft, They're bonkers on that. But we have love, true love, and that's how we're made. That's how we're meant to live. So how God decides love, not Lord, when it seems convenient for me, then then I'll think about whatever. Anyone ever notice that God likes his stuff a certain way? He's pretty particular about his stuff. <laughs> Anyone who's, who's read a lot of the, the Old Testament knows that. I'll build it this way. Build, use this kind of material. And don't, don't make this perfume except for this purpose. And don't touch the ark. You know, you're going to die. And uh, so those of you who haven't read the Old Testament who've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you get a little bit of an idea about that. But God is particular about his stuff. He wants it a certain way. And God's ways are always the best ways. Amen? Amen. In John 14, 15, Jesus says these words. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm telling you today, Jesus' love language is obedience. Obedience to his word. And, and his word is summed up in this. The great commandment and the great commission. Isn't that true? Look, God wants all people to inherit all the promised land. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's no respecter of persons. Like All through the scripture, we have countless opportunities to see that God's heart is the same. He's, he wants everyone. Now, I have some questions here. Answer me this, if, if I can hear you. I'm sure I can hear you. I know you know the answer to these. Are all people living in the fullness of the promises of God found in his word? Of course not, right? No. So question two. So then, does God always get what he wants? No, of course not. Question three, 
How can we begin then to get after both the great commandment and the great commission even in the wilderness? Ah, how can we get about it even right now? I know a lot of you have been telling me you're bouncing off the walls. You cannot wait to return to stuff, to people. You know, even uh, Jen was at the store getting some necessary food because these kids, man, they eat and eat and eat. And so she was getting some stuff and uh, just seeing people and how much, like, what a thrill it was to see humans. Like, we're in a, what a strange time in this wilderness, right? But as much as it is, you know, we saw our governor, like, closing the beaches again. You know, he's like, oh, okay, we, we pulled the trigger too fast on that. Let's shut it down. And uh, so I want to I wanna talk to you about, I'll mention before we get into the next thing, we have talked about crossing the wilderness and digging the wilderness in the past couple weeks. And so you can review those messages online. But here are the love others and the make disciples parts. And number one, I believe they go hand in hand. And number two... I also believe that the battleground is before us, and it's this. Although our enemies are not the people of the promised land, they're not the people that we're supposed to, to uh, dispossess. They're not our enemies. Now, they're a factor, but they're not our enemies. We're not warring against them. What we're warring against, our, our battle is going to be fought, and we're in preparation mode right now. It's not like the war has even come yet. And so if, if that makes you cry, I'm sorry, you know, but the war is still forthcoming. This is a preparation God is teaching us through these messages, through his word, through this daily time in prayer spent with him and discovering how this connects to our lives. Our real enemy is our obsession with the former occupants of our time. See, people had occupied the promised land before God's people got there, and they had to go. Our obsession with what formerly occupied our time before all this, that's our enemy. It really is our enemy. And I'm not saying that you've done everything all bad, I've done everything all bad. No, but we have, come on, let's be honest, had some things out of alignment. And we got to get those back into alignment. Let's read again Numbers 33, starting at verse 52. In fact, we'll do 52, 53, and 55. Can we read it together? It says, Then you shall drive out all of the inhabitants of the land from before you. Destroy all their engraved stones. Destroy all their molded images. And demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it. For I have given you the land to possess. Verse 55 says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. We have been sent to rescue people living in the promised land. We need to dispossess them out of their obsession with the world and into the kingdom of of God. Translate them, bring them right along with us. As we're going into the promised land, we want to bring as many as possible right along with us. Amen. Removing them from the world by delivering them into God's kingdom. The promised land for eternity. This is huge. And this must start at home. I'm going to say that again. This must start at home. And I'm not even just talking about ministers. You know, it's like talk about uh qualifications for deacons and for elders. No, I'm talking about every follower of Jesus. This must start 
in your home. You know, even hear about the jailer. You know, he went home and got saved and baptized. He and his whole family that day. God is interested in not just you, but your entire family. Somebody say amen to that. Grab onto that promise for your family. It's got to start at home. Before we get out ahead of ourselves, because look, we're some zealous people around here. We love the Lord. We want to do right by Him, and we want to go win everybody. But let me tell you, it starts at home. I'll tell you about the world. There's many, many lost people out there. We all know this. There are many who are disinterested in hearing about Jesus, and I think you know that. And there are many others who are apostate. They know full well, and they just don't want to hear from you about your Jesus anymore. And so here, here it is. Our responsibility primarily is to start at home and concentrically work out. We get this middle ground, this home dealt with. And we get placed in the family of God. And then we start moving. And I want to I talk to you about that. Here's my theory of why we don't engage very much with our neighbors. Why we don't engage very much with our family as much as we say we want to engage with strangers for Jesus. Oh, we want to get out there and tell the world about Jesus. Yeah, what about your family? What, how broken are they? How distant are you? And how much can we put this back together with some prayerful consideration and intentionality? I'll tell you why I think that we don't do that. Is because it's harder. Oh yeah, that's right. It's harder to minister to your family. They know you. <laughs> they know all your flaws and faux pas and mistakes and everything else. They know you. They know your struggles. They know what you've gone through. And so it's harder to get them than maybe anyone else who just assumes, hey, you're probably a pretty great person. You know, you probably have... We, I don't know why we think this. Oh, you've never made a mistake, you know? Now, we don't say that, but we sometimes think it. No, we're all in the same boat. But just because it's harder doesn't mean that it's not supposed to be our first priority. What about your neighbors? If you speak and risk a, a spiritual conversation with your neighbors, you have to see those people every day from now on. And I think that limits us in our own minds. It, it causes us to draw back and not go boldly after our neighborhood because I got to see these people. They drive right by the house every day or they walk right by the house. Like Whatever that level of engagement is, it's going to be awkward maybe. And so we don't throw the life raft or, or the life preserver out to them. We're not bold in our sharing of Jesus. I think our tendency is to play it safe and maybe just share a little Jesus with a stranger every once in a while rather than what is God calling us to first and foremost? Our homes, our neighborhoods. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith. He's worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty convicting words. Isaiah 58, 7 says, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Your own flesh and blood, right? 2 Corinthians 12 says, Now for the third time I'm ready to come to you, Paul says, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours. I don't seek what you have. I seek you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Mark 6, 4, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Jesus acknowledged that it's harder at home and in your neighborhood 
yet he calls us there anyway. Matthew 10, 8, Jesus again says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. You've received something, freely give it away. And I think so often we hold in reserve because we're timid. We need a spirit of boldness to be given to us. In, in verse 9 it says, Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs. Uh, reminds me of that old song, Don't need money, don't take fame, <laughs> don't need no credit card to ride this train. That's the power of love. Anyone, any of the Huey Lewis fans in the house besides me? I was talking to my friend Rodney about Huey Lewis this week. Man, if I could have one voice in <laughs> to replace my voice, Huey Lewis would be in the top three. I'll tell you that. All right, moving on. What if Jesus didn't send those people out? He's not sending us out with money because he's sending us into our own homes. Think about that. And, and what if he's not sending us out with a change of clothes or, or a walking, an extra walking stick or whatever because we're only going next door. We're only going a few houses down. What if that was his intent? I think it partially is. Not, not to discount going to the ends of the earth and making disciples. That's clearly a command. That's the Great Commission in full. But it starts somewhere and it starts at home and it starts in your neighborhood. What if Jesus really meant when he said neighbor are actual neighbors? And what if he said household as your actual household? Are we willing to take Jesus just at his word plainly? Again, complexity replaced by simplicity. Verse 12 says, And when you go into a household, greet it. And if the household... <laughs> i got to stop there. There's, there's a funny thing I always remember. This uh, Willie from Walmart, he's a greeter. He said, I greet them! <laughs> and it's a little harsh. You would think a Walmart greeter would be a little more tender, you know what I'm saying? But and it was just a funny way that it came out. But back to the scripture. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words... When you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Why? Because we've got more walking to do. We've got good news to share with someone else who may be just ready to rehear, to rehear it, to receive it, to hear it. Okay, they weren't. Shake the dust off. I can't have this bogging me down, weighing me down, getting inside my own head like, oh, you're never going to convince anybody. You, you, no one wants to hear from you. No, somebody does. You keep walking. Keep walking. Unhungry people are just going to weigh you down. So walk and find some hungry people and satisfy them, nourish them with the Word of God. Now we're turning to Ephesians. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore put away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Can I say that again? Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. To give, to give, to give to someone in need. That's love. That's what we've been called to. Could it be that we've actually been stealing? Remember, let him steal no longer. Could it be that we've actually been stealing precious time God wanted with you and with me? 
Could we be stealing from time and prayer? Could we have all this time been stealing from learning the word and, and memorizing the recipe of the kingdom of God, so to speak? You know, you, you make something. I make mint juleps over here. It's not alcoholic. Don't worry. <laughs> I make mint juleps during the summertime. And I have my green juice recipe for all the rest of the time. And I memorize those recipes. I can do it right now. I can call it out to you. How, how much kale and cucumber and celery and lemon and ginger and all that. I can call it out to you right now because I've memorized it. Why? Because it's important to me. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I might not miss at any degree your plans for me, Lord. I've hidden your word in my heart. I remember there was a movie I watched a long time ago. I think it's the book of Eli. And uh, spoiler alert. And uh, he memorized the Bible. Memorized the Bible. The whole Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. He cherished it. I, that's a cool movie. I'm not sure if I can recommend it, so don't go out and rent it or something. It is Denzel Washington, after all. So, you know, um, unless you've got like a vid angel and can uh, filter it, it might not be the safest. But uh, memorizing the Word of God, it's the recipe to the kingdom. And let me get back to this robbing, stealing kind of idea. What if we've not only robbed God and how He wants to send us, and therefore we also find ourselves robbing our families And how about this, those that we sleep 50 feet away from next door? Have we robbed all of these people inadvertently, unintentionally, by not pursuing them even first? Jesus says in John 13, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's huge there, don't miss that. we got to love one another supernaturally as Jesus has loved us. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I'm bringing us back to this with some frequency, how we're doing on loving one another supernaturally. Beyond the level of just, man, I got some great co-workers. We love hanging out. We do everything together. We go dune bugging, you know, camping. That's great. How are we doing supernaturally beyond that, that the world is going to look and say, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen people love each other that well before. I've got to have it. What, what does it take for me? 2 Corinthians 9 says, But I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, For God loves the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. This is a whole lot of all and every and everything, right? God is able to do this. But he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And Galatians, along that sowing line, in Galatians 6 says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Come on, why don't we take the word and pray together right now? God is speaking to us. Let's acknowledge some of that stuff that's in there. 
where even we may have fallen short in some ways and ask God to help us. Can we pray right now? Would you bow your heads with me? God, I confess to sowing sparingly. You may even just want to say these words with me. God, I confess to sowing sparingly. I find myself not loving others like I know you call me to love them. I can lose heart from time to time. Especially now in this wilderness. It's a new thing for me and I can lose heart. But I know you have better for me. And you work in me to will and to do for your good pleasure. I invite you to do that work in me that pleases you. And Father God, I commit to you. I give you my life. My life is open to you fully. (laughs) Naked and open before your eyes to whom we must give account. I'm a living sacrifice. I am dead to the old me. Remake me in this wilderness. To glorify you with my time and my pursuits. Not merely of happiness, but of honoring you. Help me shape my schedule with you first as my strong foundation. Let me not wander away from you. No more. Help me spend more time with the Word of God. Help me to spiritually minister to my family. Give me opportunities to share the goodness of Jesus with my neighbors. Make all grace abound toward me according to your promise. Give me an abundance for every good work. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to leave you with this blessing. It says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. God bless you, dear ones, as we all share in this wilderness. We'll see you right back here next week.